Hey, listeners, this is your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. If you're looking for a way to support my podcast, here are three quick things you can do. Number one, visit iTunes and review the show. More reviews help get the word out. Number two, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and support my shows. A dollar a month helps a little, and five bucks a month helps a whole lot more and gets you some neat things in return. Number three, tell a friend about the show by sharing links to your favorite episodes via social media. As always, thanks for listening and supporting my podcasts. And now, on with the show. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which we play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, we will be discussing Whizball, the 1987 game from Sensible Software and Ocean. This game was requested by Ardvark and Gareth Moore, two people who are both Patreon supporters of the show. So if you would like to make a request for Sprite Castle and get it bumped right up to the front of the line, all you got to do is go to Patreon and you can support the show for as little as $1 a month. Do you know what the real names of the wizard and the cat in Whizball are? If you don't, then you will enjoy this show, and by the end of it, you will know the answer to that trivia question. But before we get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy Headlines. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sprite Castle. If uh, you are surprised to hear more than one episode a month of Sprite Castle, well, so am I. But this is the month of the Commodore 64, and so we have lots and lots and lots of shows planned for the month of August. Now, I am going to be out of town next week, but hopefully I can schedule uh, another surprise episode for you guys while I am out of town. So uh, hopefully that will also happen. Don't forget that the website for Sprite Castle has moved to podcast.robohair.com. And I think I forgot to mention last time that the Facebook page has also changed. The uh, Facebook page is now just facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Just my name, Rob, C-A-S-T-S. It's funny, I tried to change it to... Uh, something a little less obscure and Facebook keeps triggering and saying, uh, denying my request. It says you are trying to scam the people that are uh, following your page. So I'm sorry for trying to scam you all. Uh, but I, what I've done is rolled all my podcasts up, up into a single Facebook page that makes it easier for me to manage and for uh, me to be able to respond in a timely manner. So you can go right to facebook.com forward slash robcasts and see all the stuff about Sprite Castle and all my other podcasts. Uh, also, I, when I listened back to the last episode, I noticed that the audio levels were fairly jacked up. That's what happens when you take a month off of podcasting and move everything around and reinstall your software and everything else. So um, I actually... Uh, uninstalled the latest version of audacity. I went back to an older version. I've been having some problems getting my audio to sync up with, uh, my, uh, fellow podcaster, Sean's over at throwback reviews. And so, uh, we're now running the same, uh, version. Hopefully that will fix that. And I also had some audio dropouts that I noticed, uh, not in the last episode, but before that. And so hopefully this has uh, taken care of that issue too. So, uh, 
hopefully once I get everything done, I will be back to where I started, which is <laughs> always a good sign. Um, I got some feedback on the last episode um, where I talked about Law of the West. And I got a message from Rudy Yogurt, uh, one of my followers on Twitter, a friend of mine, uh, who reminded me that the guy that did the music for Law of the West, which is Ed Bogus or Bogus, uh, also did the music for the movie Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, which I thought was uh, a very interesting fact. And so I went and looked up Ed on Wikipedia, and I was amazed at how much I, uh, you know, I just kind of uh, skipped over the music part. I mean, obviously the music is a big part of Law of the West. Um, but uh, Ed, looking at his film discography on Wikipedia, he did... Uh, music for things as recently as The Brave Little Toaster, uh, Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, as Rudy mentioned. Um, lots of, uh, he did the music for, uh, he was the composer and musical director for Fritz the Cat. But in television specials, uh, there's lots of Charlie Brown specials. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, all these different Charlie Brown, You're the Greatest, What a Nightmare, Charlie Brown, It's Your First Kiss, Charlie Brown, Snoopy the Musical. Uh, but he also did all the music and was the composer for Garfield and Friends, which is one of my favorite cartoons from the 80s. I love Garfield and Friends. And specifically, he was the voice of the ants in several different picnic episodes. That's the second biggest ant I ever saw. Oh, we're the ants to ruin your dinner. We're always here to mess up any day. When we're around, every camper gets thinner. Cause if we get the chance, we will take your food away. So thank you, Rudy, for writing in and letting me know about that, uh, that oversight. Uh, also, in Commodore 64 news, I, I want to mention, or in Commodore news, that John and Aaron from the Amigos podcast are doing an Amiga charity marathon. Uh, it is for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and they are doing it on August 12th. So that is coming up this next week. It is known as the Amigathon 2017. Uh, and so you can find out more about that. You can go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash everything Amiga. And so those are two great guys. I give, um, I would give the Amigos podcast a 98 out of a hundred. That's the rating I would give them. They lose one point, uh, for talking about the Commodore Amiga instead of the Commodore 64. And they lose one point for not having my boyishly good looks. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, it's a great show. So 98 out of a hundred, uh, for the Amigos, but, um, all kidding aside, uh, John uh, and Aaron are both uh, great guys, and uh, this is a, a great fundraiser for, uh, like I said, for Make-A-Wish. So again, uh, if you want to go help them out, you can go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash everything Amiga and check that out. I will definitely be checking out uh, their marathon while they are broadcasting. In news this week, I wanted to mention two different things that I uh, found on Steam. Uh, the first is uh, Load Runner Legacy. Load Runner Legacy has been released on Steam and like a, maybe a little over a week ago. I don't think it's two weeks old yet, but uh, Load Runner is one of my favorite Commodore 64 games. I have lots of great memories of Load Runner, uh, both on the Apple II and on the Commodore 64. And so, uh, uh, Ice Cream Jonesy, one of my followers and uh, a good good friend of mine, Rob, 
graciously sent a copy uh, of the Steam. I don't know how you say that. Gave me a Steam key or donated it uh, to the show, and I've been playing it. And there are a lot of different modes on it. There's a puzzle mode, and there's a competition mode. But it does have all 150 classic levels uh, of the original built in. And so um, I've been having a, a really good time playing that, and it's it's uh, both nostalgic the old levels are nostalgic, but the new levels and the new challenges are obviously very new school, you know, having achievements and badges and things like that. Uh, so that, uh, I've been playing that on steam. And then also I just saw an ad for, um, I believe the actual title of this is C64 and Amiga classics remake six pack. That is a mouthful. And that comes out in just a few days on August 10th. And the ad that I saw said there are remakes of classic Commodore 64 and Amiga games. Uh, so when I skimmed through the list, I thought these don't sound uh, familiar, these game titles. Like there's one called Jump Boy and one called Pit Start. But when I looked at the pictures, I realized that they've changed the name slightly, probably for uh, copyright reasons. So Jump Boy is a clone of Jumpman. Uh, Pit Start is obviously Pit Stop. Uh, there is Karate, which looks like International Karate. River Attack looks like an updated version of River Raid. And there were a few others on there. Drop Sector and then Seawolf 3. <laughs> it's like all the other ones were just kind of like, uh, you know, clones or, you know, updated versions. And then Seawolf 3 at the end. But um, anyway, I don't know if I'm going to pick that up or not. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind having Jumpman and, and uh, maybe a, a good River Raid clone to play along. But I'll I'll probably mentioned something about that when it came in. So, uh, when it came in, that is great grammar. That's great grammar to end the news section on, which was brought to you this week by my local paper boy who ran his bicycle into a break dancer. Whoa, where am I? That takes a lot of balls to do. And speaking of that, this week's game Whizball was written for the Commodore 64 in 1987 by sensible software and was published for the Commodore 64 that same year by Ocean. It is a game for one to four players that uses joystick controls. Now, I don't believe we have talked about Sensible Software or Ocean Software, which is amazing that we haven't had an Ocean game yet uh, for the Commodore 64 on Sprite Castle. Sensible Software developed nine, let's see, yeah, nine games here for the Commodore 64. Um, but a lot of the ones that they made before Whizball were just clones of other games. They have Galaxy Birds, which looks a lot like Galaxian or Galaga. Uh, they had, um, gosh, let's see what else here. Insects in Space. Um, you know, so, so these are kind of like generic clones. Um, they might be most well known for Shoot 'em Up Construction Kit, which, uh, has, you know, passed the test of time. It, it, uh, people are still using the shoot 'em up construction kit to create new games today. Um, and then of course, Whizball. Now they had, uh, uh, success even later in life after the life of the Commodore 64. Uh, again, sensible software was responsible for sensible soccer, sensible golf, lots of uh, sports games like that. And also maybe their most well-known title was cannon fodder one and two. So sensible software put out a lot of good software, but they had nowhere near the numbers that ocean had now ocean, uh, both developed games, but they were also a huge publisher for the Commodore 64, according to 
Moby Games, they published 132 titles for the Commodore 64 computer, which is an amazing amount. Uh, It's just a huge library, and I'm just scrolling through the list here. Uh, They released Batman, RoboCop 1, 2, and 3, just lots and lots of movie licenses, Platoon. uh, They did Operation Wolf, Operation Thunderbolt. Arkanoid, Chase HQ, Rainbow Islands, Contra, The NeverEnding Story, Head Over Heels, Rambo uh, 2 and 3, Shadow of the Beast, Top Gun, Smash TV. I mean, it just, uh, there's a huge, if, if all you had to play were ocean titles for the Commodore 64, you could play those uh, for a long time. Now, the coding for this game was done by Chris Yates. The graphics for Whizball was done by John Hare. The music was done by Martin Galway, who is considered to be one of the best musicians on the Commodore 64. Definitely a top five guy. Uh, again, it was designed by Sensible Software uh, and then published by Ocean. And produced, it says produced by DC Ward and also cover artwork by Bob Wakeland. Um, you know, a lot of times on these uh Old titles, we don't know who created the artwork, but Bob Wakeland was a very proficient artist. He did tons and tons of uh, really cool graphics on uh, these old games. So for a game like this, I don't think there's a lot of pop culture uh, that that um, brought Whizball to fruition. But I did read an interview uh, with John Hare, who I talked about, who did the graphics, and he said that, uh, uh, and this was a this interview was in Retro Gamer, and he said that they kind of based the game on a Nemesis, which is a, a side-scrolling shooter, you know, space shooter type game. Uh, and that they designed the ball and the control method. And so then after they had those parts, then they kind of tagged on the storyline onto that. So, and I think there were, you know, they also, uh, Sensible Software also did a game called Parallax, which literally was a space game that involved, um, you know, Parallax scrolling different layers. Uh, and so I think that probably was was not uncommon at that time was to come up with a new programming technique or an effect that people hadn't seen. And you could base a whole game around it. Sometimes those games weren't very good or very deep, but uh Whizball turned out to be fantastic. Now in the front of the box, uh, we have uh, the Whizball, just the words in that kind of very chrome metallic look that was very popular in the, uh, in the 1980s. We have, uh, we see the, our first shot of the wizard and his black cat uh, and then the wizard is doing some sort of magic. We can see magic coming from his hands. And then below that, we have the whiz ball and we have the catalyte, <laughs> uh, which is a, a pun. It's the cat satellite that travels with whiz ball. We can also see uh, paint drops coming down, which are important, important part of the gameplay. And then, of course, we have the uh, ocean logo there. Now, on the back of the box, there is a summary, a detailed uh, little story that kind of explains what's going on in the game. So I'm going to read that to you here real quick. It says, For many years, Wiz and his fantastic cat lived happily in brightly colored Wiz world. All was not well, however, as a, 
malevolent. I can never say that. Malevolent. Malevolent. Force <laughs> has discovered this vista and intended to stamp out brilliance once and for all. The evil Zark and his horrible sprites have moved in to eliminate the spectrum and render all landscapes drab and gray. So jump in your transporter and with the help of your faithful servant, Catalyte, restore Wizworld to its former glory. Collect icons for special effects as you maneuver to shake off the alien forces. Stunning graphics create the mood for a thrilling and compulsive game with hordes of hidden features and extra controls. So, once we launch the game, we come up to a title screen. There's another great graphic here. It says Whizball, and then there's a literally a round ball, and inside uh, this circle we have the wizard, and we have the uh, Sensible Software logo and the Ocean logos. Um, and then we get to the next screen, which is a high score screen as the menu. Uh, and, and I think what I, the takeaway from this for me was just how many effects could they get in this? Like the text is all scrolling. Uh, I mean like, a uh, you know, oh, like scrolling colors and, and rainbows. And I mean, it's just like every, every effect that they could cram into a high score screen they did. Um, and it doesn't say anything about this, but if you hit the space bar here, it will take you to a whiz links, which is a, you know, mini, almost like an online guide that will show you there's three screens that it explains the game and how to play it. But, uh, I don't know that I knew about that little shortcut when I was a kid. I mean, it seems like I would have hit the space bar, but even with that, the game can be a little confusing, uh, to figure out. Now the controls are all done through the joystick and the joystick controls the whiz ball. So uh, when the wizard uh, and the cat leave their little lair and they go into uh whizland, they must go, or the wizard at least must go in uh, his whiz ball. And so the joystick controls the whiz ball and it controls uh, which direction at first you just kind of bounce up and down and you can spin left and right and bounce. But pretty soon, once you get uh, anti-gravity, you can move the ball and uh, maneuver through the levels a little bit uh, more easily. Now, once you get the catalyte, once he joins you, uh, you have to hold down your fire button. And once you're holding down the fire button, you control the catalyte. Now, this is important because the object of this game is to collect these little color ink drops or paint drops that are being left behind after you kill enemies. And only the catalyte can collect those. The whiz ball cannot. So uh, when you're shooting, you want to be whiz ball. But uh, once the paint drops come out, you have to control the catalyte and run over and get them real quick. Uh, now, if you want to play, you can also play a two player co-op mode in which one of your whiz ball and the other person controls the catalyte. Now, the game, Catalyte's not always uh, on the screen. You have to uh, unlock him with uh, after collecting so many things. So uh, I guess Player 2 just wouldn't have anything to do until Catalyte shows up. Um, and then you can also play a four-player game in which uh, two players take turns and both one person plays a whiz ball and the other person controls a Catalyte. So it does support up to four players. Um, again, joystick left and right, you know, rotates the whiz ball. If you press the fire button, you use whatever weapon that you have selected. Um, I mentioned if you hold down the fire button, you control a catalyte. And uh, also, if you it says shaking left and right, chooses the extra that is flashing in the upper border of the screen. So, you know, some of these games, especially without documentation, it was difficult to figure out 
uh, you know, how to control things. And that was uh, one of my takeaways right at the beginning of playing Wizball was that, you know, with, with uh, a you know, four-way directional joystick and one fire button, there's only so much you could do. So uh, there's a lot of uh, directions on the joystick that have multiple uh, tasks, I guess, multiple controls uh, within the game. So anyway, as the game starts again, we have the wizard. And the wizard's name, according to the manual, is Wizard Wiz. Uh, which sounds like a rap name now that I say that, DJ Wizard Wiz. Uh, and his cat's name is Nifta, which you would probably uh, only find out if you read the manual. Uh, so Wizard Wiz and Nifta live in their little cottage, but whenever they leave again, they get into Wizball and the Catalyte. Now, you'll notice at the beginning that the uh, outside lands are all in black and white and shades of gray, and that is because... Uh, the uh, enemies have stolen all the color. So you have to go around these levels. There are eight different levels and uh, shoot all the enemies. So in that way, it's almost like a side scrolling, uh, you know, space shoot 'em up type game. And then you collect spheres, which gives you these power up things. And then also once you get to a certain point and you get catalyte and you, you unlock him and then you, as you shoot other people, you'll see ink drops flowing out. And if they hit the ground, they're no good. So you have to catch them before they hit the ground. And what happens is they start filling these little ink vials that are at the bottom of the screen. So for level one, I think what you have to do is collect only red. You have to fill only the red vial. Uh, So in later levels, you may have to fill multiple vials or all three, or you may have to make a new color. So it will tell you, like you have to fill up, you know, maybe 50% red and 50% blue, things like that. Um, to, uh, to beat those levels. Um, and so you, you've defeated a level once you've, uh, filled the ink well that's associated with that level. Um, so this gets really complicated, but when the aliens are hit, there's a little green sphere that stays there. Uh, and whenever you get those, it lights up the icons at the top of the screen And then that shows you which extras that you can get. And so I wrote these down from the manual. Uh, There are, let's see, seven seven icons up there. Uh, The first one gives you thrust. So that kind of gives you, um, that allows you to, you know, change directions. Before that, you can't even do that. Uh, and then once you get it again, you have anti-gravity, which means you stop bouncing, which, uh, the whole time you're bouncing, it kind of makes it difficult to, to play the second icon. Uh, you could get a, it's called a super beam, which gives you a shield. Uh, and then you could get these multiple times. Uh, the second time is the double. Uh, and then that gives you and the cat double-sided shooting. Uh, the third one is when you get catalyte. So you have to get at least three of these before you get catalyte. Uh, which is what allows you to collect the ink drops. Uh, the fourth one is uh, called Blazers. It's an upgraded shot. The fifth icon is Wizard Spray or Cat Spray, which is a you know a bigger spray area for your weapon. Six is a Smart Bomb, which kills everything on the screen. And then seven is Shield. So again, as you play through the game and you collect more and more of the little green pearls, uh, that is how you upgrade now. One of the things about this game is that the longer you play it, it kind of, at first it's more difficult because you'll see more enemies and they move faster. But the longer you play it, it the game begins to tilt in your favor as you can get all these upgrades. So it's not unlike a lot of 
I guess, vertical shoot 'em up type games where once you've collected so many different, you know, you've built up your lasers and stuff, then you get to a point where the levels become really easy. And so it's, in a way, it's kind of like that. Like once you've upgraded Whizball with all these different icons, the levels become much easier uh, to beat. Now, in the manual, there is a mocked up display screen, one of those display screens that someone obviously drew. Uh, and it has all the icons and everything that's on the screen. And it's like, uh, you know, letter A, letter B, and all these lines pointing to try to explain on the screen what's going on. But it's definitely a game that uh, you can't just pick up and figure out. I mean, you can pick it up and play it, but you won't get anywhere. It's kind of fun to bounce whiz ball around and shoot random things, but you really need to read and understand the manual before you'll you'll get very far in the game. Now, the scoring is explained in the manual. Uh, aliens are worth anywhere from 10 to 500 points. The pearls are 100 droplets are 150. When you complete a color, it's 2000. When you complete a level, it's 7,500. And then there's a bonus wave in which, uh, each alien, it's however many you kill times 40 points each. Uh, and then, um, so you get a free whiz ball every hundred thousand points. I've never got a free whiz ball. In fact, the, uh, High score that I found online was from a fellow named Robotron2084. I'm not sure where he got the name from, but uh, his high score was 197,210. So the world record only got one extra whiz ball. So if that's, uh, you know, getting an extra man, if you are going to get one, you're only going to get one. Uh, I did watch an ending to this game, and basically it says, uh, uh, and there's a, a little, you know, flashing on the screen and it says, what a mega display of fun. And you put in your initials and that's it. So a lot of people, uh, complain that have beat the game, that it's kind of a lackluster ending, uh, especially, you know, because the animation and the graphics are so good on this game that they expected kind of a, um, a bigger ending to this game. Now the reviews of Wizball historically, your Commodore magazine rated it 100 out of 100 points. Zap ranked it 98 out of 100 points. Happy Computer gave it 92 out of 100 points. Uh, Computer and Video Game Magazine gave it 90 out of 100. But even more than that are the awards that this game won. Uh, And these, again, I I got this list off of Moby Games. Uh, Ace, which is Advanced Computer Entertainment in the March 1991 issue, it was included in the list of greatest games of all time. Uh, And it was listed as the greatest, uh, or under the category of shoot-em-ups, one of the greatest shoot-em-ups of all time. Uh, Commodore Format Magazine included it in their list of uh, great games and the classic A to Z games. Uh, they listed it under, in their article, let's see, this is a 1980 or 1994 article called The Path to Righteousness 20 Essential Games. Um, they had a contest in November of 1994, and it was listed as the number eighth game of all time for the Commodore 64. Um, let's see here. Computer and Video Game Magazine in May 1988 gave it Game of the Year. Happy Computer Magazine gave it the best action game of 87, just so on and so forth. Uh, Power Play Magazine, best Commodore 64 game of 1987. Retro Gamer in uh, 2004 gave it, uh, they ranked it the number 25th best game of all time. I guess that was according to a reader's poll. Uh, And Zap Magazine 
1987, uh, it was listed as the best shoot 'em up. It was listed with the game with the best sound effects. Uh, and in 1990, it was included in their list of the best games of the 80s decade. So this game is wildly heralded as one of the best Commodore 64 games of all time, which makes me a little sad. We will find out um, in a little bit when I talk about my personal memories. Now, this game started life on the Commodore 64. Uh, there were some, uh, a couple of other 8-bit ports. I guess it was released on the uh, Amstrad and on the uh, ZX Spectrum. So uh, if you enjoy dog food, <laughs> you can try one of those versions. Uh, but there were also some 16-bit ports. It was on uh, released on the Amiga and on the Atari ST. And there is a DOS version uh, which looks almost as bad as the ZX Spectrum. It might even look worse. It's uh, four colors, and it's just not not a very attractive uh, version. There was a sequel uh, called WizKid, the story of WizBall 2, which has different type of gameplay. It's not really the same style of game, and that was only for the Amiga, the ST, and again for DOS. Uh, so the original... Uh, was the only one that was released for the Commodore 64. If you want to play this game today, obviously, um, you know, we always say that there's a emulation, you know, so you can play it on any of those computers I mentioned. Um, the Commodore 64, again, most people consider it to be the classic version. Um, and a lot of people prefer it to the Amiga and the Atari ST versions. But there was a remake, and I will add this to the show notes. In 2007, there was a version that was released uh, with updated graphics, and it was re released for both Windows and the Macintosh. So I don't, I haven't installed it yet. I saw screenshots, and it looks really fantastic. Um, and I don't know, specifically, I don't know about installing a 10-year-old Mac game on a current you know, version of Mac OS. I don't know if that's easy or difficult. So if somebody tries that, but um, if you go to retrospec, S-P-E-C, so it's retrospec.sgn.net, you can find the download link for WizBall and it is free. So if you want to try a updated version of WizBall for the PC or Mac, you can do that. If you are looking to acquire an original copy, I checked eBay and if, for being... One of the greatest Commodore games of all time, it doesn't appear to be that expensive. Now, I didn't find a complete in-box copy, but I did find uh, cassette versions, original cassette versions for less than $10. And I also found an Amiga version for less than $10. So um, I don't know how often the uh, you know disc versions come up. I didn't see any in recent eBay auctions. And of course, I'm for the summer, for the month of Commodore, I'm kind of cranking these out a little bit more quickly than usual. So uh, I didn't have enough time to watch eBay over a few weeks. So, you know, maybe one will come up. But uh, if you're looking for an original, it doesn't seem like it would be that expensive. Um, so, you know, as as I started playing this game uh, and watching the whiz ball came around, I, I was uh, trying to come up with, uh, you know, what kind of snack would go good with this game. And so that's what I'm going to talk about right now on Talking Snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking Snack. So about 10 years ago, I was traveling through Albuquerque and I met up with 
some friends of mine that I've known online through um, online forums, uh, through digital press, and and uh, you know even since then on Facebook and stuff. Um, and and one of them is a friend of mine named Paul, and he goes by Pantechnicon online. And he met with our family. We met up with him, and he wanted to take us out to go try this new thing at the time called boba tea. Now, if you look up boba tea on Wikipedia, I think it actually will route you to bubble tea is a, a more common name for it. Uh, it's a, a Taiwanese tea. It was invented in the 1980s, and it says most bubble tea recipes contain a tea base mixed or shaken with fruit or milk to which chewy tapioca balls known as bubbles, pearls, or boba and fruit jelly are often added. And then it goes on to say there are ice versions as well. We had a traditional boba tea, which was, um, again, like a sweet tea mixed with milk. And then there are all these chewy balls down in the bottom of the cup and the straw they give you reminded me of those pencils that we used to have in kindergarten. Remember those pencils that were like, um, like super big and fat around pencils. You know, it was a straw that was like that. That's big enough to allow you to, um, get these boba balls out of the bottom of your drink. And, um, you know, the, at the time, I'll tell you what it reminded me of, not the drink specifically, but that, uh, experience reminded me of, the first time that I went out and had sushi and I sat in a restaurant and I had sushi and I just felt like, um, like I was a grown up, like I was doing something that kids wouldn't necessarily do like, like that this was sophisticated or something, you know? And that was the same feeling I had when we had, uh, boba tea and I've had it many times since then. It's always a kind of a unique thing and it's always fun to, to, um, something to share with, with other people. But I, you know, so I always remember that experience. And so when I saw Wizball, uh, it made me think, you know, what would go great with this game would be some boba tea. So in fact, I'm going to step out and go get some boba tea real quick. And while I'm doing that, I will leave you with some personal memories of mine of Wizball. All right, time travelers, seatbelt fastened, yes, get away to the past. Memories. So my memory of Wizball uh, makes me both happy and sad. I remember having Wizball on one of my discs. I either downloaded it or someone gave me a copy. I don't remember who I got it from, uh, but I played it and I didn't understand it. I thought the graphics were great. I thought the music was great. I could move the little whiz ball, get him to bounce around and go, you know, shoot bad guys and stuff. But I didn't understand what the game was about. I just um, didn't have, you know, all that information that was in the manual. And that didn't come with a game. You know, when you downloaded a game off of BBS, you got the game and that was it. So if it didn't have um, instructions or something, you could get lost. And so I remember having this game and trying to figure out what to do and just not getting it. And so I just didn't play this as a kid. I mean, I, I loaded it up. I remember moving the guy around and doing it, but just not knowing what to do. And so uh, there's part of me that looks back on that time with sadness that I had 
a game that is rated one of the top games for the Commodore 64, and I didn't play it because I didn't know how. And so my views on computer piracy have obviously changed since I was a kid, you know, because as a kid I thought more was better. You know, I mean, wouldn't a disc full of games be better than going to the store and buying like only one game. Obviously it would be much cheaper to download all these games. Um, but you know, you didn't get the experience. You didn't understand. You didn't spend as much time with the games. Um, you obviously, I didn't understand how to play the game. Uh, and so that's really kind of a bummer when I'm looking at this game now and seeing just how genius and how fun it is, uh, and how to work the controls and finally understanding I've had a great time. I'm so glad that, uh, that these guys recommended this game to me to play because I've really had a good time over the last week playing it. And I wish that I'd had this much time when I had it the first time. So, um, that, that's kind of my personal memories. I mean, I would just say it just makes me sad that when I was young, that I just thought quantity was so much better than quality. And I just don't believe that's the case today. For graphics, I give Whizball five out of five Whizballs. The, the Whizball himself, I mean, the, the backgrounds, the foregrounds, the enemies, everything is just very detailed and very good. Uh, for music, I also give it five out of five. It's just, it sounds amazing. Same for sound effects. I mean, you know, I, I, I have a hard time giving anything five out of five for sound effects, but the sound effects are great. Um, and overall gameplay, either maybe, let's say four and a half out of five. I mean, I really, really do like it. And um, I think there might be a steep learning curve for people. You know, it's not a game like Donkey Kong where you're just going to pick it up and, and figure out how to play. You have to spend a little time figuring out how the controls work, how the power-up system works. But once you have that, it's a really good game and the payoff is there. again for tuning into Sprite Castle. If you want to play this week's game, head on over to podcast.robohair.com and click the show notes for a link to download the game. If you'd like to send me a game request, feedback about this or any episode of Sprite Castle, you can email me at robohair at robohair.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodore, follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts, or leave me a voicemail on the FLAC podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the Sprite Castle RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness. You can find links to all these shows over at podcast.robohara.com. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites, such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. For links to these and more websites, check out the list of links on the Sprite Castle section at podcast.robohara.com. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to playing with your whiz balls, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. <laughs>